0: Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Legal Wolf podcast which was set up to raise awareness of mental health and also tackle the stigma surrounding mental health on a global scale. Today I am delighted to be joined by Rashida who is a mental health activist and podcast host. Hi Rashida.
1: Hi, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well thank you. How about yourself?
1: doing great and thank you for having me join you in this podcast episode
0: No problem, you're very welcome and first of all just for the listeners, would you be able to give a bit of background about yourself and also the reason that you became passionate about mental health
1: Yeah, absolutely First of all, I would like to thank you as well for having this podcast and for using your voice and your efforts and your energy for this noble cause and just joining all the global voices to raise awareness about mental health and as about me and the history and how I got really involved into being a mental health activist in Algeria. It all started with me having um, eating disorders back on time. Um, And Back time, I was not really aware. We're talking about like really, really uh, in 10 years ago. So mental health was barely talked about. I did not know what I was going through Because right before that, um, I was going throughout a severe bullying in the university because of the way that I looked and um, because of me having a tiny shape back on time and I kept just losing weight and an appetite and you know, mixed with anxiety. But, um, back on time, I thought like, it's all about me, there is something uh, wrong with me. And I did not know how to all these thoughts in my mind, I did not know how to, you know, just shut all these voices. So, yeah, it was a long journey. Until, you know, I started my healing journey that led me to three years of, you know, um, combine let's say therapy and sports and just me you know learning methods and practices and just living a healthy life so that's all how it is started and um, I just wanted to emphasize as well one thing that I was having or let's say dealing with my eating disorders that I graduated from university and I found a job right after my graduation and I was going to work on a daily basis. So yes. no one was barely noticing besides the physical, you know, symptoms of the eating disorders, because I was losing weight gradually. No one noticed or barely noticed what was going on. So I just like via your podcast to just um let's say send a message that Please be kind to other people, because you will never know what the other person is going through.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that, that we can't always judge a book by its cover. And we need to appreciate that people are going through their own struggles, and they're not necessarily going to show that or know how to express that. So I definitely think that being kinder is something that we all could be as a world um, to each other. And in part, I think perhaps COVID has changed people's mindsets in terms of being kinder to other people. There seems to be an increase in community spirit, particularly over here in the UK, that we're looking out for each other and looking after each other. So I 100% agree that we should be a lot kinder as a society. And in terms of how mental health is perceived in Algeria, uh, is mental health still very stigmatised in Algeria? And how easy is it to access support for mental health, Rashida?
1: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you, I can only agree with what you have uh, said. I think because of the COVID, and somehow we are closer to each other, and we are very considerate to what other people are going through. Because I think we got all to to go throughout this phase of of being stressed, of dealing with uncertainty. So maybe not everyone is having a, let's say, mental illness, but we all have mental health. And that's, you know, when people experience certain things, they tend to be kinder because they know they went throughout that thing. As per how mental health um, is let's say perceived in algeria let me start that um, there is of course now a few countries that are leading by example such as the uk australia canada and the usa and um, for the rest of the world unfortunately there is still a lot of work that needs to be done yeah. let me start with north african countries and particularly algeria well, we have psychologists. We have a good number of psychologists, therapists, but because of the society and how it is built, because of the beliefs, the traditions, um, the religion, also aspect of it, so people are, uh, of course, dealing with mental illness, you know, disorders, but they tend to really hide it. No one is speaking about it. So if you come to Algeria, I would say that I would count on the numbers, the people who are trying to advocate for mental health. There is one initiative that is Mental Health Talks, which is like a community on Facebook and on IG, they organize webinars and and so on. Um, But in my opinion, it's not enough. It's not enough, because Algeria has more than 40 million citizens. And to just change that mindset, because here it's perceived as, you know, the three elements, I could say. The first element that is blocking people is that people often tell you that if you have a mental illness or a mental health condition, that you are being far from God. So just, you know, go back to God, take care of your spirituality, and you should be fine. Although, in the religion itself, there is nothing that interferes with, you know, you going to therapy, or you just taking care of your mental health, or you going to see a psychologist, or whatsoever. But people, somehow, they change, you know, the way that we all see religion differently. So that is the first element that is blocking. So the problem is not in the religion itself but the problem is how it is perceived and what people they tell you also second element which is the traditions um here we are very 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 connected to certain traditions even if they are outdated they do not not serve the modern society but let's say speak about ancestors and um grandparents and parents, now in a family, in an Algerian family, having a mental illness is something shameful for the family. That will be, you know, everyone will hide it, try to do whatever it takes to just hide it. Because somehow in their minds, having a mental illness is, you know, you being categorized categorized directly as someone who's crazy. Believe it or not, still exist in society. Now I'm not blaming people. Because if you go back to the history of psychology, and how it all started back on time, it all started with people who were dealing with mental illness, they were always diagnosed with, you know, you're crazy. So it's something that still to be, you know, worked on. The third element is the education system. We have a good number of people who like to, you know, study psychology in the university, but it's not considered as something as medicine or, you know, people going and studying tech or management. It's not giving the right importance to the point where, you know, we have graduate people graduating every year, but they only study the theoretical part, and this part. Let's say it's still outdated. It's the ancient system. It doesn't serve the modern society needs. So in my humble opinion, these three elements yep. that we, are, we need here to work on in updating the education system, and just spreading the word about that, you know, having a mental illness does not mean this person is not close to God. Although, you know, we are all all free in our beliefs and also the stigma and the fear and the shame that is related to the tradition.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's very interesting when you mentioned about education because I know that's something that I've been rather vocal about on these podcast episodes that I've been recorded in that if you educate the youth of today, then in a few years time when they hit their late teens, early 20s, they will have more of an understanding of what mental health is, what are the signs of good mental health, what are the signs of poor mental health and how to get the support. Um, which I think as a society, we need to start educating our youth on the importance of mental health. However, we also need to educate the educators who are going to be teaching the youth because that specific individual who may well be teaching mental health might might have a very different view on mental health say as to another teacher and there could be very different views in the sense of one teacher understands mental health supports mental health and then another teacher doesn't know anything about what are the signs of good mental health what are the signs of poor mental health where can people access help and support so I also think it's very important to educate the educators who are going to educate our youth um, in, in order for our youth to get the right knowledge and information um, in order to start reducing the stigma around mental health and normalizing the, the conversation um how realistic do you think that would be rashida in terms of implementing that kind of education system within algeria and other north african countries yes um uh, no that's a,
1: that's a and personal um, question i think um, i think it all starts with you know everything starts usually with education. And if we really today, we would like to have, or let's say to save the next generation yeah. from the sufferance that we went through. Now, let me clarify one thing that in Algeria years ago, when I was having my eating disorders, no one was talking about it, no one was, you know, even, I think, having the courage to um, wow. admit that this or that. Uh, nowadays, people started a little bit shy in a shy way, in a very, you know, let's say it's it's baby stages, I think it's really, it's early stages to talk about it, we, we are starting to see some really, you know, new movements, uh, which brings hope, because it's better than nothing, it's better than when it was, but we still have a lot of um, effort to do. Um, let's say if we compare our country with the UK or with USA. Now how realistic to implement, you know, such a system in the education, um, let's say, system, I think, I think it will take time. But it's, it's doable. Why? Because, you know, the educators, they have like, certain knowledge, they're not educators out of, of nowhere. You know, they have the background, they have the ability to at least understand. So the question here, is the government willing to implement such a policy and to, let's say, dedicate such a budget to train the educators yeah. in, in order to transmit this sort of uh, message to the youth? Now the outcome and the law on this such an investment is is clear and we do not need to debate on it. Uh, However, as I said, we need tangible solutions. I think we need a lot of patience, but also uh, we need also the government to, um, let's say, to be open to negotiate and to talk about such uh, a concept. I think it's not only up to the government. I think it's it's up to us to really start those initiatives, to send this message, message to you know to the government, so we can attract their attention in order to you know open those debates. Because unless the government and the mental health activists and um, NGOs and, and so on start to work together in order to create and provide tangible solutions, nothing will happen because you know, NGOs alone cannot do the work, government alone cannot do the work. So I think I think it's a combination of this and the willingness of educators to give to plant seeds. um, So the next generation could have a safe environment and easy access to mental health support.
0: Yeah. And I would definitely echo your thoughts in regards to it's not one's responsibility or another's it's everyone's responsibility in order to improve people's awareness and understanding of mental health which leads nicely into the next topic that I would like to cover which is mental health within the workplace and how can we change the mindset of companies to support mental health? Uh, I know from obviously living and working in the UK we still have a long way to go in terms of how we deal with mental health within the workplace and particularly within the profession that I work in which is the legal profession because more often than not it, t- it seems to be excluded from the profession rather than included. So a lot of students I know who are going through their university studies to start the first step of the ladder to becoming a qualified solicitor are very anxious and are very concerned and have a lot of worries but they don't know who to turn to and who to express their concerns to because they may feel belittled by their fellow students and that they may feel inferior to other peers and that does in some instances still appear to be the case within the legal profession in that when you have anxiety and depression you don't know who to go to who to tell because you fear one of two things one that you're going to be deemed weak and that you can't do your job and two that you will lose the respect of your fellow peers. And this is where I feel there needs to be real improvement within the workplace in how we approach the topic of mental health, how we support staff um, with mental health difficulties. Um, And really that the policies that are in place within businesses aren't just there ...as a tick box exercise, but are actually fully functioning and robust enough to um, be able to provide an individual with support for their mental health. What's your experience been like within the workplace in Algeria, Vashida, in regards to mental health? And also, how do you feel we could change the mindset of companies?
1: Thank you. Thank you for um, sharing the experience as well um, about what's going on and how mental health is, is, let's say, perceived within, let's say, the legal profession. Which is, um, I think, it's a very sensitive topic because we usually, I think, perceive legal as people who are tough, who are willing to, you know, um, separate their emotions and. Um, I think more or less um, the same problem is, is here in Algeria, although it's here, it's not only related to, to the legal system, or I think the legal profession, it's, it's everywhere, we don't have policies that really support mental health within the workplace. It's, it's almost non-existent. It's um, like you'll just wake up and you just, you know, okay, today um, I have been feeling anxious for a few days and I need to send some emails, let's say, um to my superior, letting him that I will be taking the day off because, you know, I'm going to a therapist or something like that. No one, no one will do such thing because then you will just be labelled as someone who cannot do the job, which is similar to what you uh, mentioned. It's even worse here, I think. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anyone who has done this, you know. Uh, I'm taking, let's say, um, a day to protect my mental health. It's just like when you have cold and you have to take one day off. Yeah. You know, You know, um, what's really amazes me is that when people have cold or when they have diabetes, they have all the right, when they are diagnosed with having cancer, they have all the right to, you know, take sick days, to have access to treatment, medication, insurance coverage. But no one is actually allowed to express that they're struggling with their mental health. Uh, These physical health conditions are not uh, perceived, are not categorized as a weakness. I have seen people, my colleagues, some of them have diabetes, they work, they come to work, they take sick days, but it's, it's all good. You know, they really perform well, there is nothing wrong with them. But I haven't seen in my ten years I worked in the construction industry, I worked in the car industry. I haven't seen anyone so far who had the courage to just you know declare that they have a mental health struggle, although I have seen the symptoms. I've seen my colleagues collapse under stress, it was there and then I have seen the manifestation of you know chronic stress um, let's say change into manifesting as a physical symptom. I have seen it, I was observing but every Every time I tell myself, Rashida, why don't they admit that, okay, they have issues with their mental health. And it's absolutely normal. And I think that's why we are talking today. Because yeah. I truly wish and hope That one day we'll be able to just treat someone with a mental health condition as someone who have, you know, been diagnosed with diabetes or cancer or, you know, just someone who has a broken leg. They immediately think about going to the hospital and asking for help or seeing the, you know, doctor or um, JP or something like that. When we struggle with our mental health, we keep it to ourselves. And that would only um, make the things even worse, yeah. if I can say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where we need to stop distinguishing between physical health and mental health. And we need to start thinking of them as one because you can't have one without the other and this is where I feel businesses need to be made aware of this point in the sense that if businesses look after their employees and provide them with support for their mental health then not only will the employees feel mentally healthier happier but the employee will also be more productive which will then in turn lead to the business being more productive and profitable down the line and to me this isn't rocket science it's basics it's common sense if you look after your staff and you look after their mental well-being as well as their physical health then you will probably realize fairly quickly that your staff will be happier they will be healthier they will be more productive which will benefit the company So really if companies invest in their staff's mental health and well-being then it's going to benefit them in the long run but quite a lot of businesses don't seem to understand this grasp this point and it's really not difficult. It's it's basics and it's common sense in how you three individuals
1: mm-hmm. yes exactly you've got a point I mean um, the World Health Organization actually provided data and when we talk about business it's always related to you know what am I go- going to cut what is the law of on on, on this? Um, investment that I'm having because business is always related to uh, numbers and um, calculation. And this is it. Yeah, it's it's legitimate. But if you look at the um, statistics and the data that the World Health Organization provided before the pandemic, actually, you know, um, just let's say the definition of health it's not related, it's not limited to the physical health only, but it includes the uh, mental health and you know social well being. Now it is clear after use of research is you know the combination of these three elements. And for I think before the pandemic, and if I'm wrong, it's been a long time since I, I was reading this article, the statistics were clear that there is the word is is you know um, let's say leaving almost one trillion dollar in lost productivity because of depression and anxiety. Wow. That, is, that is that is huge number, and also on um, the same, let's say uh, article. And among the key facts that the World Health Organization provided is that for every one dollar of investment on, on mental health, let's say implementation and policies, you will get back around four um, USD uh, back in productivity. So the statistics are really clear and the World Health Organization is providing those statistics. So we all have trust, let's say, in this in this organization, and they have their professionals who have been working on this issue for, for many years. Now, if we need tangible solutions, we need also to talk about the numbers and the statistics. I think anyone who would like to address to any organization or any business, they need to think, they need to provide accurate data, and they need to provide tangible solutions. Because uh, from my experience in the corporate world, my boss doesn't speak the language of feelings. But my boss speaks the language of numbers, and I, you know, I was told from one of my mentors, it's like, Rashida, you need to treat your boss. When you have an idea, you just need to treat him as as a client. You need to sell him this idea, and we all know that with a good pitch, you've got to go. The numbers, the data, tangible solutions, and of course, there is the emotional part. So I think a combination of these three elements is is um, a good foundation to anyone who would like to provide tangible solutions for, or, let's say, dealing with with corporation or the corporation world.
0: I mean, that is a staggering number. One trillion dollars lost. I mean, I don't quite know how many zeros go after the one for a trillion. I mean, that is just, that's just a staggering figure that there's that much money lost. I mean, it's clearly something needs to change um, and, and hopefully COVID has started to change businesses' mindset in the sense of they've learned throughout this pandemic that it is doable and feasible to work from home um, and also promote a work-life balance so you could have a hybrid system in place whereby you work some days in the office some days at home Um, and I, I just hope that Businesses mindset starts to change and it won't happen overnight because nothing does happen straight away. It will take time, but hopefully because of what we've all had to go through around the world with COVID, that businesses will start to take more interest in their staff's mental and emotional well-being uh, and start to promote working from home some days and working in the office and flexible working hours and promote more of a work-life balance because I think this pandemic has taught us that we should really appreciate the things closer to home in terms of family and friends. Whereas before the pandemic, a lot of people were very... ...materialistic in terms of going on exotic holidays all, the, all around the world, and I was one of them doing that. Um, also buying the blingy watches, the fast cars, the massive houses, and promoting all of that on social media, which in turn affects people's mental health by uh, an individual wanting to strive for what someone else is posting about and everyone was striving for the next step to be better and better. But I think COVID has led us to all realise that we really need to look after ourselves and cherish family and friends and not necessarily spend oodles of cash on goods and hopefully businesses are starting to realise that their staff aren't just numbers on a spreadsheet, but they're actually human beings and that they should start to take into account their staff's emotional and mental wellbeing. That's my thoughts on the whole situation. How, how about yours, Rashida?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has been changed. You can sense that it's all over the world. But is it going, are we going to maintain same mindset? Are we going to be back to our previous habits and uh, the way that we lived uh, after, you know, the pandemic will be over or after, let's say, five years from here? 10 years from here, are we going to maintain the same mindset? Yeah. And um, I always like to ask the question what are companies doing to, you know, in order to match or to prepare the foundation for their future self? Well, um, you know, as an organization, what can you do right now in order to, you know, at least, um, provide tangible solutions that that will allow you to continue to grow, let's say, how do you imagine the corporate world will be from now? It's like in the future from 50 years or something. You know, at least we need to do something that at the end of the day, at least we need to start planning. So um, I think this is the question that uh also business owners need and stockholders need to reflect upon is okay yeah it's like it's it's right to think always about the profit but also there is a social responsibility there is the what can an organization do right now to plant seeds, let's say, or to try to provide something that prepare the foundation for what is coming next for the fifty years? What is, what are, you know, the steps? And I think business owners and stakeholders also need to uh, dedicate some time to reflect on the, the long term vision. Because I can only imagine what the next generation will be and the next generations will be speaking about us. At least we need to, you know, it's like we were proud of the our ancestors who, you know, fought the Second World War and save us and, and so on. So what sh- the next generation will be speaking about us. Do we actually try to make an effort to plant seeds, to prepare the foundation for what is coming? Yeah for the social media part, you're absolutely right. If you look at the curve of, of let's say, one's happiness, whenever or if you reflect uh, upon that, whenever you buy a car, shoes, or, or something else, it's actually all the materialistic um, stuff will give you instant gratification. Maybe when you buy here uh, a car, sorry, you would be like happier somehow for, for one year or for a limited amount of time. But then the curve will just you know, um, let's say, your happiness level would just go back to what it was before. So we just need to be mindful uh, about what we consume, because it affects also our mental health.
0: Yeah.
1: Because all those so called influencers, they just show you the shiny parts of their life. And for someone who consumes a lot of social media and scrolls on Instagram or any other platform for the whole day, it will of course affect the way that you feel because it will make you feel like, oh my god, look at this, you know, young gentleman or lady, they are on their 20s and they have this fancy car, they made it, they live uh, a fancy life. And uh, on my 40s, for example, I'm not, I'm not there yet. But Let's say, look at me. I haven't reached that state yet, and here you start to compare yourself with others and which creates suffering, but yeah. you are not really aware of it, so we just need to be mindful about what really we feed our brains because our brains they are really good at picking up those cues,
0: yeah, and That leads nicely into how we can tackle the stigma of mental health on a global scale because I do feel that social media, it has two sides to it. Um, It does have a very positive side but it also has a negative side and a side that as you've rightly pointed out Rashida can lead to Sufferance because we're always comparing ourselves to other people and we're always trying to strive and be better constantly whereas if you had the influencers posting and talking about mental health to all of their followers then that could actually lead to people taking more of an interest in mental health and raising awareness around mental health. But the sad thing is, is I think a lot of the influencers won't do that, because if they do that, they will lose a lot of their followers and influence. But If they talk about mental health, surely they would gain influence because they're talking about a subject that needs to be discussed. We need to normalise the conversation around mental health and no longer clam up and not know what to say when someone talks about mental health. Uh, I also feel that there could be um, a lot of work done in the film and TV industry and how they portray mental health. Because I know there have been negative stereotypical films around mental health There don't appear to have been that many good inspiring stories around mental health. I mean, I, I would gladly be proven wrong on that point, but I, I don't know of many th- that do show mental health in a positive light. Um and also there's obviously media, there's obviously film, TV, influencers. Another way to tackle the stigma would be around education. Um, and also with government uh, implementing policies around mental health within the workplace and how it should be dealt with and supported and not necessarily brushed under the carpet and ignored because these topics, particularly mental health, particularly after the COVID-19 pandemic, they need to be discussed. Um. What are your views on how we can tackle the stigma, Rashida?
1: Thank you. I think you asked said it all. I think it's a combination. It's not one's responsibility. It's not mine responsibility. It's not yours. But I think if we all join the efforts, or for the people who, you know, are dedicated for this cause to create positive impact and to create change, yeah. well, I think let's say, right. if you compare the actual situation to what it was before 10 years, of course, there have been an improvement. Now people start to talk about it. But it's, is it enough? It's not enough, in my opinion. And you also have said yeah. that. Yeah. So because we still have people who are not able to declare that they have uh, a mental health condition or mental illness, uh, especially. And that's, that's the point. Because it should be just like diabetes or having any other physical condition. And until that day, we still have work to do. And you have said it right. I mean, I haven't seen so far a movie that, because when we talk about mental illness, and um, on the 2nd of April, that was the Autism Spectrum Warrant Day, mm-hmm. and you know before that on the 30th of March, that was the uh, bipolar day. So with days like this, or with an illness like this, we haven't seen a movie where it tackles like people with let's say take a mental condition and talk about it how they overcome this or how they were able to uh, work and maintain and start a family because usually people with mental illness, they always stigmatize as something that, you know, they're not successful, they not, they don't have families, according to society standards, you're successful, if you own a company, if you have a job, if you start your family, those are outdated norms of, you know, defining success. Because it looks different to everyone. I think if you're, I know a lot of people, Uh, with bipolar with autism spectrum with depression are actually going to work and although you know they still hide their illness because i'm a mental health activist so it happens that i'm connected to those people so even myself when i had my eating disorders i was going to work it's not like i was not let's say from outside if you look at me I graduated from university. I I got a job. So we need movies and and people and stories that are realistic. There are people who actually are redefining the true meaning of, of success. They could be having a mental condition, mental illness condition, yet they are graduated from university. They they try to work, they do the best that they can. I know people with mental illness condition, but they, they own startups, you know, they created the sense of, of well, at least they are participating, bringing a positive, um, let's say impact, and um, adding value to the society. So we need to also bring into the front, this, this concept of people, Who actually have mental illness, yet they are succeeding either at their jobs or their families, and of course, succeeding um, just like anyone else to a certain extent, and to how they designed or what really success means to them. People who, for example, managed to overcome addiction and people who had a depression and they fought for their life, people who managed to save their life, people who dealt with suicide ideation and, and just, you know, managed to overcome this. So I think we need more stories like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the one film that really impressed me was A Beautiful Mind, which had the main character who suffered with paranoid schizophrenia and he went on to have a family and managed to deal with and cope with his inner demons without medication and go on and win the Nobel Prize which is a really uplifting and positive story which presents hey you can have and suffer with paranoid schizophrenia but don't let that define who you are because you can achieve a great thing in life even with a mental illness like paranoid schizophrenia and those films need to be applauded more there need to be more films about them um In order to highlight positives. With mental health. And this is where I feel that the. Movie industry can do a lot more. Because they have a huge captive audience. Loads of people go and watch movies. They go to the cinema. Or in the pandemic. They've been watching them on the TV. And a a lot of people. Take heart from movies. Um, So there definitely needs to be more work done in that space and finally Rashida i like to end on two questions the first one being what would your future vision be for how mental health is perceived within Algeria and also around the world and then The second question is, what would your dream job be, and why?
1: Thank you. Uh, Indeed, I think the two questions are related. Um, Are related and, uh, you know, my dream is, is, I have one dream, like, you know, the great Martin Luther King said but I was um, going to just reframe it and say that I have one dream which is to see mental health and mental illness accepted around the world as any other physical condition until that day we still have unfortunately a lot of work to be done a long journey ahead of us and um in the future, of course, I'm positive about the change because I'm not going to say that we will wake up tomorrow and just feel included and everything, uh, you know, is going to uh, be okay. But we're talking about the long term because what we are doing by right now actually is just we are preparing the foundation, just like you know our ancestors did for us. They prepare the foundation in in terms of let's say other things. Um, in life so we were actually able to succeed. And we are doing the same thing. We are preparing right now the foundation for the next generation so they could have something. Yeah. You know, they would not start from zero and they will just have something tangible. Something at least people um, from this or started something, started campaigns, or movies, or uh, try to connect with the government and, and just initiate conversations, all of this, in my opinion, are the foundations for what is coming next. Because it's, let's face it, mental health will not be accepted and mental illness will not be accepted from here to five years or something. Maybe I'm, I'm too realistic, but I'm positive about the future from now. In 50 years or something like that. I'm not speaking just about the country, but I'm speaking about the world. You know, if you speak about the deep Sahara, the deserts, Africa, and uh, let's say Asian countries where really traditions rule the society. So we are speaking about, you know, those parts of the world where. Asian countries where they are deeply rooted in their traditions. There is nothing wrong with, you know, good traditions. Um, There is something only there is an issue in accepting someone with mental illness. It's not a shame, it's not a disgrace for the family. So we need to look at it from this uh, point of view. No, the dream job, of course, will be something related to integrating corporate or let's say mental well being awareness into the corporate world. Because I come from this background, I, I had 10 years. And I, I dream about, you know, companies and organizations, where they have a mental health department where you don't have to be You know, labeled as invalid in order to get your full insurance coverage. Because, I'm sorry, it it breaks my heart to just say this word, you know, labeled as invalid in order to get your insurance. And so these, these are my thoughts. So a dream job would be something related to creating and integrating, let's say, courses and education. Uh, around you know or related to corporate mental well-being and the vision is just to prepare the foundation for
0: the years to come yeah and i completely agree with the future vision Um, it is imperative that we lay good solid foundations for the youth of today in regards to mental health and how they perceive it And the dream job genuinely sounds fascinating because that is something that needs to happen in not only African countries but in countries all over the globe in terms of talking to businesses and explaining to them about mental health policies, mental health awareness, how we can improve mental health within the workplace which is something that needs to be discussed with businesses in order to improve how they deal with the subject matter of mental health and just to finish Rashida I would like to say that it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and I'm sure the listeners will have taken a lot of valuable insights from today's episode so thank you for being a part of the legal wolf podcast
1: thank you so much steve for having me today to join all the voices from around the globe to speak about mental health Uh, it's been my pleasure and i'm grateful for you
0: and that concludes today's episode with rashida discussing all things mental health within algeria Please feel free to leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode and also like and follow the Legal Wolf LinkedIn and Instagram pages to stay right up to date with the latest content being released. Thank you.